Pastor Conrad Mbewe, and he is from uh, the continent of Africa, the country of Zambia. He is here for a conference on the campus of Bob Jones, actually, and I thought it was providential that he was here for this morning, and I thought it might be a, a good opportunity for us to uh, have him bring the devotional, but more than that, uh, we had dinner last night, and I was able to uh, understand better his ministry and the challenges of the ministry there. And perhaps you're like me, where you you know the name Conrad Mbewe, uh, and you might know the fact that he's involved with Christian education in that part of the world, but you know very little more than that. And that's about as far as it goes. And that's basically where, where I was. Uh, not a whole lot of um, knowledge. So last night I had the great opportunity to just spend some time with him and ask him a lot of questions about the African Christian University. And it was fascinating. And I was uh, quite burdened for our brother because... Um, this is an important work. It's a very difficult work. I mean, we thought what we're doing here at the vault is difficult. Uh, setting up a university takes it to a whole nother level. It really does. And so I thought it might be appropriate and fitting to have our brother explain to us very briefly, because this is still our prayer time and we want to give ourselves to prayer, but we want to be able to pray intelligently and with burden. And so if our brother could introduce himself briefly and give a, a history of the university, the ACU is what they call it, and why it's important. So, brother, I'll hand it over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve, for having me here and um, for giving me an opportunity not just to share um, devotionally but also to say a few words about the African Christian University. Uh, it's, a, it's a project that began around about 2008 into 2009, uh, primarily because of a need, a very real need. Uh, universities in Africa are producing uh, graduates literally in their thousands, but the economic situation in Africa is not getting any better. We have a situation where um, unemployment levels are 60, sometimes even 70 percent, and especially the poverty-stricken areas, it's only getting worse. We have discerned, as uh, we have been laboring in the work of ministry, preaching the word, that part of it is really an unbiblical view of, of uh, the world, of ethics, of just history. And therefore, it was necessary, we felt, for us to take our discipleship work one step further, and that is to then have a um, liberal arts Christian um, education at tertiary level. We're already doing it in primary and secondary school, uh, and just seek to help young people um, to develop a, a biblical work ethic. And we felt that that was one way in which we could impact Africa, transform the continent, one way in which we could break the cycle of poverty 
that is uh, glaring at uh, the African continent, one life at a time through this form of education. And so, as I said, we began working at this in 2008, 2009. We opened doors in the year 2016 with four disciplines, agriculture, education, um, business, and finally, theology. And so really that's been uh, the history up to this point. It's a university and it's fully accredited. Or that is the, certainly the, the, the final goal. And so uh, that takes some effort. That takes uh, what you were describing last night. There's challenges on multiple sides then. Because when you're dealing with a university like this, you're dealing with then the government. Mm-hmm and all the regulations and the accreditation laws and so on. Uh, so trying to fulfill those. And then, of course, you're dealing with just the ongoing expense because it takes manpower, it takes teachers, mm-hmm. qualified teachers, and that's, uh, that, takes, that takes expense. It takes facilities. And so it's, it's multiple sides. And, of course, you have the students. You have to have the students. Yep. You have to attract the students. So... Could you give us just some idea of the present challenges that you're facing? This is, this is an ongoing challenge, of course, but could you give us an idea of the present challenges? Yes. Well, um, first of all, we, we are encouraged by the fact that the Lord has enabled us to reach what in many ways is our 15th year, although only uh, six or seven years in terms of actual uh, teaching. But as most of you will appreciate, we've gone through COVID. It has had its own negative impact on our numbers in terms of students because we we couldn't go into schools, we couldn't go into churches for about two to three years. So that's definitely one of the greatest challenges, having now to build our student numbers. Thankfully, we we have a fairly good um, number of lecturers but that simply means salaries for them, which is in itself uh, quite an ongoing challenge, especially due to the, the lower numbers that we currently have. We, we went from about 75 students, we're hoping to cross 100, when suddenly over the two to three years, we've come down to about 40 to 50 uh, students. Uh, and then the facilities. Uh, we, we've purchased land and hope that in the next five or so years we can build a a campus. But between now and then, we are hoping to rent a facility so that instead of being in four, rather seven houses that we are currently renting, we can bring the entire university into one uh, business structure, which is more visible uh, to, to the community. So that's where some of our... Uh, current challenges are. Two of our courses, that is business and theology, are already accredited. And one of the challenges we have now is getting the other two accredited. Uh, We think we are almost there in the year 2023 and would appreciate prayers for that. Amen. One final thing I wanted to ask our brother was simply, so we're sitting, most of us, in the States. Actually, some of us, many of us, are outside of the States. But how does 
the average person out there who wants to have some participation in the future of young people in Africa. Obviously, many of us will never be there, but how do we practically help? And I was looking on your website, and you've made it very, very easy for people to give. Is, is there anything beyond that that people need to be thinking about um, practical ways to help? Yes. Um, first of all, I'm glad you've mentioned the website. Um, it's uh, scu-usa.com, or you can just Google the name and you most likely be led to uh, our website. And there, there are a number of ways that are mentioned. But something more specific is that uh, we are deliberately, beginning this year, reaching out to especially the poorer section of uh, Zambian population to draw in the brilliant young people who would never have opportunity to go into university. And our desire really is that we bring such young people into this Christian, biblical-based uh, education at tertiary level, uh, knowing that whereas on one hand they would never have had such an opportunity, but on the other, once appropriately discipled, they would use their God-given gifts to impact not only the poorer sections of our cities and continent, but indeed the future of uh, that. And so we want to bring them in, but to do so with targeted uh, scholarships so that uh, individuals can say, okay, this is the child I want to, to specifically help and induces on hopefully even visit or through Zoom talk to that child uh, and see the, their future impact mm -hmm. upon their part of the world. So that's one very specific area that would appreciate help with. And then, of course, anyone who is in the educational field thinking in terms of perhaps finding a way uh, to help. And then lastly, in fact, most importantly, prayer. And therefore, I'm glad we're talking about this in the context of prayer. Amen. I was quite burdened about this. I was thinking about it all last night, actually, just how to have God's people gather around good works like this. These are works that we know very well in the sense that we know the people behind them. We know the leadership behind them. Vodi Bakum, mm -hmm. whom many of you already know, is integral in this work. In fact, he's the, the dean of the, the school of religion there. And so we know the people. You're not going to get more qualified and biblical people to work with. I mean, the reason why, quite frankly, that I'm sitting here talking with Conrad and Bewi and asking him to uh, give a little plug for the ACU is because of him. I mean, I don't know ACU, but I know him. And, you know, we don't like this, and there's some danger in this, perhaps. But ministries largely are built around people. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, we have these windows of opportunity, and I, I thank God that, that he's taken this step of faith. It is a gigantic step of faith, and I just wanted you to be uh, abreast of uh, this ministry. So I'm going to ask our brother now, we'll switch gears, to bring a meditation for us here today. Thank you. 
Um, I just want to share very briefly from a passage that's been a great encouragement to me, and that is First uh, Samuel chapter 1, uh, related to uh, the birth of Samuel. And um, let me just draw your attention to the prayer uh, that she made, uh, that is Hannah, the, the mother of, um, of Samuel, and that is um, a prayer that is mentioned in verse 11. Verse 11. So it says there, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. The account prior to this is that uh, she was a wife of Elkanah, and uh, Elkanah had two wives. The other was uh, Penina, and that Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Uh, the result of this was that Penina was always taunting uh, Hannah and making her life miserable. You can imagine it was over a number of years. And as they would go uh, to offer um, the uh, sacrifices to the Lord, uh, Hannah could not participate meaningfully with joy. She was constantly grieved. And uh, at one time, her husband finally said to her, Am I not worth much more to you than ten sons? That was a very difficult period for her. And so prior to the words that we've just read in the prayer, we are told in verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. That's the context in which this prayer is found. Later on, we are told of Eli who thought she was drunk when she was in actual fact praying from deep distress. And getting back to the prayer, uh, she says, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant. And I think there's part of it that is an encouragement because God sees all things and therefore he knows what we are as individuals going through. It might be a distress in the context of the family. It might be a distress in the context of the church. It might be a distress in the context of uh, your own ministry as you are serving uh, the Lord. But the point is the Lord knows. And so Hannah could take comfort in that. But even as she speaks in terms of remember me and do not forget your servant, it's not simply a cognitive remembering. It is in terms of do something about it. And often that's the way the Bible speaks in terms of phrases like, uh, oh Lord, listen. It's not like the Lord never hears. It is in terms of listen and do something about this. And that's where prayer comes in, in all its richness. 
it is in knowing that yes though the lord knows what i'm going through he invites me to speak to him about it he invites me to do so with with all my heart reflecting the situation that i am going through and what a gracious god he is in that respect inviting us into his very presence to speak to him uh, to tell him not just what we're going through but even how we feel about it our sense of despair in our time of difficulty look on the affliction of your servant the affliction in other words the distress that i am going through the lord doesn't want us to pretend in his presence uh, there are times when the distress is so much that all we can do is weep in silence even those tears he treasures because we are being individuals of integrity of transparency we are being ourselves before the lord and then lastly this lady was in such serious business over this matter that she's basically saying lord if you answer my prayer the fruit of it will be sacrificed to you in other words it's all about you in the end she says if you give to your servant a son i will give him to the lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head what a glorious uh, example she is to us and i think we too should recognize that as we go before the lord in the midst of our own distress it's not so much that we should therefore have the comfort of answered prayer but that ultimately the lord himself would be glorified samuel was born out of this and he was an epoch making individual in the history of the entire nation of israel who would have thought that would be the case well god used this lady's distress he used her prayer he used her godly desire to honor him to bring about such a glorious time i sometimes think about this when i am praying about the african christian university lord this is about you this is about you i don't know what your situation is that brings you and drives you to your knees but may we also say lord this is about you amen